change. This train not taking passengers. Hey everyone. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was sorry, I was just settled in here. Uh, it's currently six twenty-six a.m. and I've been awake since about four. Um, yeah. So I just took a sip of um coffee. Yeah, I've been awake since four. I fell asleep. I actually did something last night that I actually haven't done in a while. I stopped working at about, I don't know, I must have sent my last email at about eight. And I put on a movie. Like I actually set, turned the lights off and I sat in the dark and watched a movie from my couch. And I ate a, yeah, a fifth of a punnet of ice cream um, in lieu of dinner, which I'd had at about five or six. Uh, I was just exhausted. I didn't go to the gym. I'd been trying to do that the last week or two, and then the last yeah couple of days have been rough, so just everything hurt. I was tired. I said, no, nah, fuck it. I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah, but I, I I put on a movie. I, da- I actually downloaded an obscure movie from 1993. Um, it's a Charlie Sheen movie called Beyond the Law. <laughs> I don't know. I Charlie Sheen's an actor that, He's in some of my favorite movies of all time, you know, like Hot Shots and um, Money Talks, Platoon. You know, he's, he's a good actor and he's got comedic range and he's got, you know, he can do drama and thrillers and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I've got a mate. I've got a mate whose bucks is coming up and I've been calling this guy the rookie for about, I don't know, since like 2015 or something. Possibly 2015, so what's that, seven years? <laughs> he's been the rookie. Um, and his bucks is coming up, and I'm, I'm organizing it. I'm on his bridal party, so I've been organizing it, and we made the WhatsApp group, and I caught it the rookie. Um, I put a picture up of uh, the rookie of the year, that movie from the mid-'90s or whenever it was, about that kid that joins a baseball team. Anyway, the reason why we call him the rookie is because <laughs> – he turned up one day to a coffee, like we, we all caught up, like you know, a group of us caught up to get a coffee and he turned up and he just had a haircut and it was like parted. And I said, man, I go, you look like the rookie from, uh, you look like Charlie Sheen from The Rookie. I go, I think it's The Rookie. I can't remember. And um, I remember not actually having watched that movie at the time, or at least not properly, but I just remember the front cover was iconic. It had Charlie Sheen and Clint Eastwood's face. So then I looked it up. I remember pulling out my phone and looking it up. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Okay. You're the rookie, and um, and then like obviously because he's a bit younger than than the consensual the the group was at the time, um, so the name just stuck. <laughs> it was funny too because like later on, uh, you know, a year later, eight months later, it was his birthday, and we're all getting ready. We were in, we had an apartment in Crown at near Crown, sorry, in the city, and we're all getting ready to go out, and I'm like calling final call, you know, like hey, who's ready? Let's go, and he's like, oh. I didn't bring a belt. <laughs> I just remember saying, rookie mistake, mate. And we, yeah, we've got a good laugh out of it. Regardless, I'm rambling. Couldn't get further away from the fucking point. The point is, <laughs> as I was on the interwebs somewhere, I, th- I remembered 
Charlie Sheen for whatever reason. And I said, you know what? Okay, there's a bunch of movies he's done from like the early 90s that sort of flew under the radar, didn't really get much acclaim or anything. But, yeah, he's, I want to see some more shit. So um, I, download, I found the trailer for this movie. It's like a bike movie. It's about bikers in the States, you know, all on Harley, Harleys. They're like one percenters. And he's an undercover cop who goes full method, gets the tats, grows his hair, and infiltrates a bikey, uh, like a crew, an MC group. And it's based on a real story. So, the, you know, he's portraying a real person. Anyway, I finally downloaded it. It was a shit show to get. And I watched it last night. I ended up falling asleep on my couch. Must have been about 10.30, 11, 10. I'm not sure, somewhere there. I remember waking up twice on my couch and then, yeah, it got to, it was after midnight when I actually got up. I just remember going straight to bed and I woke up at four. And then from four o'clock in the morning, I sat there watching, started reading some shit, answering some emails, reading some shit on, on my like, phone and then I started watching clips. In my head, I did the maths, and it's like, well, I've had about six hours of sleep, and I used to live on three and a half to four. So for me, six hours is a sleeping. So it's like, why am I still wide awake at six o'clock in the morning? I know if I put my phone down, I, I could try to go to sleep, and I tried multiple times, and then something else just kept triggering. It's like, oh, I should just get up and do this. I should just get up and do that. And then what I said was, well, I've been meaning to record a solo episode for ages, and I never get time to. I've just, yeah, I've just had that much shit on where it's like i keep thinking yeah i'll put aside an hour and then i'll put the hour aside from that to, to actually edit the thing and i just haven't had a chance so I'm, yeah it got to six six thirty six o'clock i'm like fuck this i've been up for two hours and i've had six hours sleep so i'm getting up there's no point i'm just wasting time now i could be doing something productive and the productive thing i found to do was record a monologue of absolutely fucking nothing so yeah there goes my train of thought anyway yeah i was really uncomfortable because it's one of the few times, I've had some really shit sleeps the last um, last week or two. And something I've done, which I don't normally do, is go to bed without having a shower. And the only reason I've done that is because I've fallen asleep on my couch, woken up at, you know, midnight, 1am, and just said, oh, fuck, I've just moved to, I, mean, I barely remember actually getting into bed and just passing out again. It's sort of instilled in me, um, my mum, yeah, from as a kid, like my mom always had a shower before, like both my parents, they'd have a shower before they get into bed. And it's strange because as I've gotten older, I've met people that don't shower before they go to bed, which is fucking bizarre to me. I don't understand it. Like, you know, you, you get up in the morning and you spend a day of doing adult shit, you know, like, <laughs> you know, going to the gym, working, wiping your ass haphazardly. Like there's a hundred things, sweating, like, and then working in different environments as well and and then carry that all that weight into bed like, it's strange to me anyway i just uh, it, i don't feel comfortable so yeah the first thing i got up at you know just after six i had a shower and then started premeditating what the hell i was going to say yeah i a lot of things have come up in the last week or two where um they've triggered a lot of things with me um ptsd is a thing you know, and um, I think it all started just before Antipodes. Antipodes, the festival that I spoke about on the last podcast that we'd done uh, with the low-hanging fruit. The Antipodes Festival is a festival that used to happen on March 25th or the weekend of March 25th or whatever date was closest to it. 
Um, it's the celebrating Greek diaspora and celebrating uh, March twenty fifth in the uh, you know, eighteen twenty one Independence Day for Greeks. So in Melbourne, you know, we traditionally would have a, a shrine. Uh, we'd all do a march to the shrine, you know, of uh, memorial in the uh, in Melbourne. Yeah, every Greek community, every Greek school, church group, you know, um, social club, whatever, you know, we'd all put on our blue and white or national dress or whatever, and we'd do a march, you know, parade up the shrine to the steps of the, uh, where the uh, shrine, you know, the steps to the shrine, usually greeted by the premier of, the current premier of Victoria and, you know, a few other big heads. I remember there's always a priest there. (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, they canned that a, a couple of years ago because of COVID. So they relaunched it this year. They didn't do the, the march, but they would always have a festival down at, on Lonsdale Street, which is traditionally the Greek street of Melbourne. Now it's mostly overrun by dumpling joints and travel agencies. <laughs> um, but in its heyday, in the 70s and 80s and even 90s, um, it was full of Greek bars, Greek clubs, coffee shops, you know, all the tourist spec souvenir shops that you find in Oakley now they they were mostly they were in you know in Lonsdale Street you know Karas um was definitely in, in Lonsdale Street because I remember it was the go-to for Greek textbooks and CDs and stuff like that anyway so in Dipides, they they did it again this year and they moved it to October for whatever reason um apparently next year they're reinstating it to February but Antipodes for me, when I was a kid, you know, we'd always go to it. So we'd finish the march and then go to the Antipodes Festival, get suvos and run into everyone that you knew from, you know, Greek school or whatever. And I hadn't been back since probably like my late teens. You know, I was probably still in high school. I don't remember going there as an, you know, after the age of 18. And the second I got there, and started walking through the crowd, I started thinking about all the people that were associated with me when I'd last gone. So when I was about 16, 17 at the most. And they were all shit memories. Yeah, they're all people I don't talk to anymore. Um, and it just brought back a wave of like being bullied through high school and isolated and all that sort of crap. I don't know. I've... It's not not just that. There's a bunch of other stuff that sort of popped up the last you know, couple of weeks, which has just brought on like a wave of nostalgia. I don't know. Like uh, uh, Jimmy Drama and I had touched on it ages ago, and we we're talking about how you know how would you react if you saw these people now? Yeah, would you say anything to them? Just are they even aware of what they did? And we'd con- we'd come to the conclusion that they're not, and they couldn't care less. I probably don't even remember who we are. Yeah, I'm talking about being a victim of bullying and stuff like that. Um, and it sort of triggers me, knowing everything that I know now and everything that I'm capable of. You know, it's frustrating thinking about how feeling as helpless as I did and isolated back when I was like 15, 16, 17, formative years. And knowing full well that I didn't have to take any of that shit. 
Yeah, there are people that I've forgotten about, like from my past. I think think, the thing that's sticking point with me is the fact that I say it over and over again, like I've done some deplorable stuff, some stuff that society would frown upon, but never with the intent of actually hurting anyone else, more in regards of maybe acting selfishly or hurting myself. Yeah. Yeah, active impulsively, yeah, and not considering consequences, but never in regards to acting toxic, like in a toxic manner towards anyone else. And I think that's what bothers me the most. Full well knowing that I'd either been taken advantage of or isolated or manipulated or whatever, you know, or just outright bullied. Like, do these people know? I don't know. Then I think about, you know, I think about the podcast a lot and um, I can't stress this enough. I thank the individuals that have come on and given their time to elaborate a bit about their lives or their opinions. You know, and it could be just be, you know, low-hanging fruit and us talking absolute nonsense. Or it could be, you know, people like Sophia who came and, and shared a story about the domestic violence. Or, you know, Dragon Knight, who came in and talked about his life as an escort in, um, in Australia, as a male escort. You know, these are, it takes a big set of fucking balls <laughs> to do that, you know, even if it is anonymously. Especially elaborating with, like, a stranger, you know. <laughs> Actually, that's a line from, uh, what's it called? Beyond the Law. <laughs> Charlie Sheen, like, attacks some cop spits in the face of a cop to prove his his worth you know in front of the uh, the gang and this guy says to him you've got a set you've got a pair that clangs <laughs> that's fucking awesome <laughs> it's sort of like you know i've got balls of steel <laughs> duke nukem-esque but like you know even cooler so yeah i don't know they it's 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 an odd place that I'm in, you know. Everything triggers nostalgia for me, and nostalgia can, is an anchor that keeps you grounded, but it also keeps you from not moving on. I've said this before. Nostalgia is a, a dangerous thing because if you if you dwell in it, you don't move forward, you know, or you romanticize shit from the past. Whereas I I don't romanticize anything. I, like I know exactly where I'm, I've come from, but yeah, that's not necessarily a good thing because then you know you're up at four a.m. thinking about that shit instead of just being fast asleep, satisfied with and content with your life. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I fixate on things that aren't really relevant. I guess that's what you know depression does. I'm sure there's a mental illness or something associated with it, like some sort of chemical imbalance. It's strange. <sighs> I'm just putting my feet up. I've got a guitar amp that sits under my desk. I had this guitar amp since maybe 2003. It's a Roland Cube, and it has served me well back when I used to play guitar and produce music. Now it's a footstool, which is kind of sad. I keep talking about how I want to start playing guitar again and just stuffing around with music and how much, you know, I actually enjoyed doing it and how much my life used to revolve around it. Now I don't have time for it. <sighs> yeah, which really sort of bothers me. Yeah, it's one thing I wish I did have time for. But then at the same time, 
you know, if I did have free time for myself, I'd probably be using it to do something else. I feel now that if it's not productive, then it's really not worth the time. I think that comes back to um, making up for lost time. I don't know, it's weird, and especially like the last month, I've had a few people reconnect with me that I haven't spoken to in decade, you know, maybe more. And um, they all seem to say the same thing, and I think I've mentioned it before, that they've never known me to not always be doing something, whereas I don't see it. I really don't recognize that about myself. It was only this year, maybe last, especially during COVID, when everyone took a back seat and a step back, and obviously for you know, for obvious reasons, scaled everything down, and I sort of didn't. I was restricted in where I was going, but I still sort of found ways to keep doing shit to be productive. And I think about why that is. And one one reason would definitely be because I've, I'm making up for lost time. You know, years of investing in the wrong things or the wrong people or whatever, or having shit taken away. So I always feel like, yeah, I'm actually nowhere near where I wanted to be. And that's actually something people always seem to ask me as well, is you know, if they haven't caught up with me and then especially if they know a bit about my history regarding mental health and whatever, they always seem to ask me, are you happy? And I want to say yes, because I know that's what they want to hear, and that's what I should be saying. But there's always this underlying niggling thing where it's like, no, I'm not fulfilled. Yeah, And that's really what I want to be. I just want to be content with where I'm at but it always feels like I'm not. And maybe it's because I compare my life to other people, which, you know, you shouldn't be doing because your life shouldn't be the same. But at the same time, one thing I did say was, um, which I've said this, I've, I've said this as a stand, as a, as a go-to is it could be much worse, but it should have been better. It could have been much worse, but it should have been better. You know, I recognize that I live a pretty privileged life comparing to a lot of people, you know. But at the same time, um, knowing what I've had to sacrifice, knowing what I've lost, knowing what I've had taken from me, knowing how I was, you know, brought up to believe in certain things or, you know, just be manipulated or whatever, everything I've, I've sort of had to lose along the way, I know that I would have been in a lot better position mentally, socially, financially, all that sort of stuff. And that really stings. And that's a quote. That lyric is actually a quote. Uh, that quote is actually a lyric by uh, from Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, some some people will know who they are. You know, if you're a metalhead, you know who they are. If you're a rockhead, you'll know who they are. But Five Finger Death Punch are a band that I started getting into about... Uh, I still remember exactly the day that I actually got brought onto them. Um, I had some personal shit go down. And like a significant event. This is back in 2015. And Nick, who used, uh, who was on this podcast, um, he said to me, he goes, you know, you'd fucking love this band, Five Finger Death Punch. And he played for me, um, uh, what's the name of the song? Um, Wrong Side of Heaven. And I lost my shit. I'm like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. And that song literally saved my life. That, that period of time, I heard, I listened to that song for like three weeks straight. And then, yeah, I got into their back catalogue and, you know, they've got a big extensive catalogue and it's probably like, you know, 75% listenable, like as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, they suffer from a the thing you know the same same sameness. You know, like songs start bleeding into each other. You know, as you get into their newer albums and things like that, and follow like very formulaic. But then again, you know, Iron Maiden are very formulaic. You know, pop music is very formulaic. Whatever it is, you know, not everyone has to be an avant garde. Maybe you just make cool songs. But um, yeah, I always quote. I'll always, you know, credit the quote to them. It could have been much worse, but it should have been better. You know? And that, that sticks with me. And the point is, like, to get past it all. But, um, yeah, it's obviously one day at a time. It's a work in progress, really. Um, yeah, it seems I was really trying to get a, a solo episode done this long weekend that we had, broken long weekend because of Cup Day, then I realized that we've tended to do, <laughs> whether it's me doing a solo or as a group, I think we've done a podcast every year on that Cup weekend. <laughs> and I tried to figure out why, and I thought, you know what? It's probably because on the Monday, it's not a public holiday. Everyone's usually at work, including me. And on the, on the Cup Day, I'm normally at work till about at least in the afternoon. I have been anyway for the last like decade. Whereas this year, I I had work to do, but I was actually at home on my own. I hadn't done anything the night before. And I think that's why it's like the one time of the year where I'm not obligated to be anywhere. Yeah, you know, like Christmas Eve, you're going to be having dinner with people or whatever. Christmas Day, you're with family. Boxing Day, you're catching up on everything else. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> there just seems to be like a, every cup. Cup weekend, we get an episode out some of some kind, and I'm actually yeah. And it, I was meaning to get down to the studio and do an episode because I haven't spent enough time there. I actually really like that space. You know, there's all the little knickknacks, and it's nice to see something come to fruition. You know, like half a studio actually built over time, which is cool. I definitely am grateful for everything I actually have. Yeah, and oh, that's the other thing that triggered me. Um, <laughs> it was last a couple of weeks ago. I was what I, what had I done? Um, I think it was a day midweek, and I got up and I think I did some I sent some emails and then went for a walk down to the local IGA to go buy some milk or something, or get breakfast. I can't remember what I was doing, but I had headphones in and uh, um, the song "How Do You Like Me Now" came on. It was a theme song for that wrestler, Hardcore Holly, back in the WWF, WWE days. And every time I hear that song, it's one of the songs that I listen to on repeat for like, you know, hours. I could, I could listen to it on loop. I used to just loop the track when I was working at home, like doing stuff around the house. It's a, it's a really empowering sort of <laughs> track. There's no lyrics. There's only one lyric and it's Hardcore Holly saying, how do you like me now? It's a real hum. Maybe I'll, I'll snippet it in. Actually, that's what I'll do. Rather than listening to me try and hum the riff. It's a real Metallica-esque, Pantera sort of groove metal riff. It's catchy as shit. It's probably one of the, It's like a perfect guitar riff. And I thought about it. Like, that is like literally my inner thoughts now when I walk or just get up in the morning or whatever. 
I remember years ago we talked about soundtracks that play in our heads, and I remember I became fixated after an incident at my old man's house with my sister. I remember I was about to blow. I blew basically, and um, just thrashing my car around for a good hour before I went home to calm down. And I had Marilyn Manson disposable teens playing like on like blaring on repeat. <laughs> Yeah, I remember talking about in depth with Johnny and Nick and just saying how that was what was constantly playing in my head that was what anxiety felt like that's what PTSD felt like now it's switched to literally how do you like me now and yeah anyone that knows me yeah I mean after years of listening to this shit if you're actually an active listener you'd know um, I rarely pat myself on the back But it's sort of only self-serving when I say, when I say, how do you like me now? Because no one knows, you know, maybe I'm indirectly pointing a finger at everyone that ever bullied me or like walked away for whatever reason. But then again, I'm not, none of these people know who I am or monitor my life. So it doesn't really matter. I think that's something that's frustrating. I don't know. I can't know where I'm going with all this. I'm probably going to end up cutting out a lot of these dead air silences because I'm really not saying much. As far as living the dream, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really get much diff- better than what I'm doing. I mean, there's a lot of things in my life that I have now that I I work towards, which I never thought I would, even just being here. You know, is something I'm, you know, you're grateful for. But then it's hard to answer, you know, when people say, are you happy? It's like, well, am I? I should be. But you know, what is true happiness? (laughs) Fucking hell, these are too dark. It's fucking seven o'clock in the morning and I'm drinking a decaf coffee, which shows, goes to show you just how low I've sunk. (laughs) Oh, God. God, decaf coffee is when you know that life isn't going the way you planned it. <laughs> anyway, um, I was thinking to myself, one of the things I was, when I was watching the, um, when I woke up this morning at four and I started watching clips on my phone, I was just lying there and I had my phone you know, on s- sideways leaning up against the Buddha statue that I bought in Thailand back in like 2008. And was it 2008? No, no, I think it was 2008. 2008 or 2013? No, maybe it was a 2013 trip. I think it was the 2013 trip, actually. Um, Yeah, I got that wave of nostalgia again, and I brought up that memory that I had from, um, I mentioned on one of the low-hanging fruit episodes about how I'd woken up one night and I was watching TV on a black and white little portable thing with headphones in the same room as my... um. My sister, because that's how young I would have been. And it's like, Jesus, man, that was, you know, 30 years ago. Like, more than 30 years ago. Actually, it's probably about 30 years ago. I mean, I stopped sharing a room with my sister. would have been grade five, maybe. So it would have been 10, 11, probably. Maybe 12, somewhere there. I hadn't hit high school yet. Just as I finished, maybe... Grade five or six, I think I stopped sharing a room. 
So yeah, it definitely would have been like eight or nine. So yeah, 30 years ago. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. There's several th- moments in life that I can look back and remember exactly where I was, exactly how I felt, everything. And um, that is a like ingrained in my memory. Wait, like summer nights especially, sleeping in that room next to the window, um, yeah, hearing noises of Clayton, you know, trains, cops, cars, but also being really, really silent as well and being broken up with stuff like that. It's ingrained. And that night, yeah, with the TV, I, I remember it. You know, I mean, you're a kid. You're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, you know, as well. It's like an innovation, like a TV, you know, portable black and white TV in your bed, you know, that you're listening to, you're watching shows that, you know, you never would have watched because you'd never be up that early in front of the TV set. And then, yeah, this morning when I was doing it, I'm just like, I'm lying here watching <coughs> Stephen Colbert in HD, you know, <laughs> Like, while I'm lying in bed, you know, on my own in an apartment near the city sort of thing. And it's like, shit, time flies. You know, in 30 years, what have I actually done? You know? That's the thing, I went to a funeral about a week ago. And, you know, this woman died at 90-odd. And you look at the journey that they've had, like, she's had... And it's like, fuck, man, like people start off in other countries and they come here at, you know, half my age and get married, set up shop, create these lives, you know, and you watch these photo montage reels. It's like, man, my photo montage reel is going to be minuscule. <laughs> There's going to be big fucking gaps. Maybe a mug shot, <laughs> a photo of me coming out of a courtroom with the handcuffs or, you know, holding my, covering my face with a newspaper. <laughs> I said it once on a really early podcast. I said um, I'd want to die in like a rain of gunfire in like a city street <laughs> surrounded by cops and a new screw just getting chopped down <laughs> by a sniper. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I definitely said that in a very, very, very early episode. Um, But yeah. And I don't know. One thing I was going to do was um, the Colbert questionnaire. If anyone that watches Stephen Colbert, then um, you'd be familiar with his segment, Colbert Questionnaire, where he asks, you know, half a dozen questions or whatever it is that will typically cut through a person's personality in, you know, 10 minutes and less and essentially give you a nice little window into, like, their mindset and their soul. Um, yeah, and I always thought about it, like, I actually don't get interviewed, and I'm not going to be in a position to be interviewed, ever, <laughs> unless, again, I'm in a, a holding cell, <laughs> or an interview room down at the station, <laughs> where were you on the night of the 15th? <laughs> Why did you do it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought about it, and I thought... They're typically questions that, you know, we sort of tackle on, we do on the podcast as well, like in our stupid low-hanging fruit sections. But they're actually really good questions. They're very, very generic and just gives you a window into like their um, things. So I thought about actually answering them, honestly. I don't remember all of them. Um, 
But yeah, I'll try and answer a few of them just for a point of reflection. So the first one is, what's your favorite sandwich? Which I'm not going to go into because we're actually going to do that on the low-hanging fruit. We're talking about the sandwich on the desert island. And it's become it's dragged over three episodes now. <laughs> and it's going to end up being a bracketsy, like I can see it. But I'm going to do everything in my power to avoid it becoming a bracketsy. So I'm not going to answer that. But anyone would know, if my favorite sandwich would probably be, you know, with a certain cold cut and certain pickled ingredients. But um, I'll leave that at that. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm going to have to say dogs when I get the chance. But, you know, I always talk about the cat that my mum and my sister adopted that I invariably had to start looking after when they went around. <laughs> you know, I still remember, you know what, I still remember when I think my sister moved out and my mum was overseas. So maybe it was when my sister first got engaged She'd moved out well before that for a period. But then when she got engaged, she moved out again, obviously. And that was 2011. And I'm pretty sure I got back from overseas and then my mum went away. That was before I moved out as well. I think that's what it was. So I was I was at home but alone. Like as in, yeah, I was living alone at that point. And I'm pretty sure... The cat, I'd let the cat in because it was cold or whatever outside. And it went into my sister's room looking for my sister, didn't find it. And then it came to my door, <laughs> came to my bedroom door. And I was just like, nah, for fuck's sakes. So I actually went and got the blanket that I used to sleep on, on my sister's bed, put it at the edge of my bed, and it got up and slept at the edge of my bed. I think it was the one time I allowed it to do that. I don't think it ever it ever came back to me at that point after that anyway, but I still remember doing that. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, uh, window or aisle seat on the plane? Um, and typically what Colbert will say is, you know, you're in the aisle. Is that because you don't want to be a nuisance to people when you want to climb over? Or if you they say window, they'll say, you know, aren't you, don't you care about stepping over someone to get to you know, the bathroom or whatever? Or is it because you want the view? Whatever it is. With me, I don't care. I get on planes and the whole thing is, like I've said it before, transit for me through an airport and the transit part of traveling to your destination is my favorite part because I'm, I'm just glad to be doing it. You know, it's a privilege that not many people actually get the chance to do, to take or have. So for me, being on a plane is just relaxing. Someone brings you water, you know, I've got a book out or my iPod or you know, I'm watching something on my tablet or laptop or whatever it is. It's my favorite part. So yeah, window or all, I could care less. Uh, favorite smell. <laughs> my go-to is bread. Fresh fucking bread is my favorite smell. Bread being baked specifically. And I'll whittle it down even clo- further. The smell of bread from the tip top uh, factory in Clayton during summer. When you go down Fairbank Avenue and the whole neighborhood smells of hot bread, Jesus Christ. <laughs> On top of that, I'll also say uh, Ismiyaki or Alien uh, perfume worn by a woman. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm really, I'm a beacon, like a honing beacon for, um, for smells. And um, 
I whittled it down to an art. Like, I, for ages, I would ask, like, any friend of mine that was wearing a perfume that smelled incredible, like, to me, I would always ask him, what the hell are you wearing? And I got it down to some key ingredients. It was, like, jasmine, vanilla, musk. Um, oh, what was the other one? I keep forgetting. If you just look up, yeah, the ingredients, the alien, Jador, Isimiyaki, even, like, Britney's Midnight Fantasy and Katy Perry's one. <laughs> shows you how, how far I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, uh, apples and oranges, it's weird because I really eat those two fruits on their own. But I am partial to both flavors. So like apple uludug soft drink, this Turkish soft drink, is it's like a Turkish mineral water basically, but it's more of a soft drink. Love it. I used to put booze in it. It was the best. An orange, I'm a fucking sucker for like burnt orange or like orange, um, like chocolates with orange cream in them and things like that. So it's like, yeah, in essence, like both of them, but not in their forms of fruits as fruits. Um, have I ever gotten an autograph? Yeah, I have. And the first one I thought of was Steve Vai and Joe Satriani, the two guitarists. Steve Vai, like, was a class act. I spoke to him. I've talked about that encounter at length. Um, but yeah, I got their autograph and then I was having a shower and then that question popped up again. I'm like, wait a second. I've gotten someone else's autograph. Pablo Francisco. Pablo Francisco is a voice, uh, is a comedian, voice actor, impressionist, whatever. He did the, um, he revolutionized the whole movie voice impression. You know, the one man. You've probably heard me do it a hundred times. Um, I, when I saw him in America, then I saw him in Melbourne like six months later. And I met him out the front. I actually got a photo with him as well. I was deathly sick. I had the flu and someone I know had a ticket. And I can't remember if someone, no, 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 no. I think I had tickets for it and someone I know couldn't go. And I was looking at cancelling or the other way around. Someone offered me a ticket. I can't remember which way it happened. But yeah, I ended up at that gig and I got his signature and I met him. And yeah, Pablo Francisco was like a massive influence for me, like with voiceovers and stuff like that. It's sad that he went out the way he did, you know. I actually don't know what he's doing right now. But, you know, if he had an issue with substance abuse or whatever it was, and um, he fell off the radar for a bit, for a while, actually. But for the longest time, he was more like my biggest influence when it came to that sort of stuff, like in that period, like 10 years ago. I remember when we were in, in San Francisco, I commented on his Facebook page. I can't remember what I'd said. And he replied, and he commented back. And for me, that was like the biggest thing. I lost my shit. So, yeah, <laughs> two signatures that I've gotten. Um, song to listen to for the rest, like every day, for the rest of your life or whatever. So in the sense of, you know, if you turned on the radio the, or your car or whatever and there was only ever going to be one song that plays, it's interesting because I've got the names of two songs actually tattooed on my body. I've got um, G-Eazy's I Mean It and I've got Robert Miles' Children and they're both important to me. Robin Miles Children is a song that inspired me to make music. After I heard that song in like 96, I wanted to learn how to play piano in order to make Dreamhouse you know, music. So I've got that on like a BASF tape. <laughs> the fuck, my tattoos are so stupid, seriously. Who the fuck tattoos a tape, like a cassette tape? The technology doesn't even exist anymore. You know, anyone under 30 asks me what the fuck that is. 
Um, I've got Jeezy, I mean it. Just the na- I've got the word I mean it scribbled on me as well. And that's a massive track too. Um, but as far as being the song that I would listen to every day for the rest of my life, there's a bunch of songs that get played out. Like them two are definitely like Robin Wise Children. Not so like I don't listen to now. Like I don't even know if I have it on my iPod anymore. It still triggers me when I hear it. I've got so many life memories that have revolved around that track, but. I mean, it definitely gets played, especially like at the gym or if I'm in the car. But now, like the first tracks again is um, Five Finger Death Punch. This is what I was thinking about. Because like Five Finger Death Punch just writes some really good songs and they're really, they're, they're great instrumentally. You know, like they've got some real good musos on there. So they know how to write a, a melody. And Ivan Moody, the singer, is, um, he's got, he's dealing, he deals with a lot of his own mental health issues and substance abuse and stuff like that. But he's got a really good fucking voice. And um, the first song I think about from them is um, a song called Far From Home. And it's about PTSD and um, essentially the military. Like, they do a lot of songs about PTSD in the military and things like that. But, I mean, the song's interchangeable. I just remember the, the opening line. There was They did a live album. And um, that's when I first heard the song, the live version of it. So it does the first verse acoustically, as in without... Uh, the, uh, the rest of the band and then it kicks in for the chorus but it's like another day in this carnival of souls another night settles and as quickly as it goes the memories are shadows Ego the page And I can't seem to find my way home And it's almost That's like the first verse It's fucking awesome Like when you hear it Maybe I'll, I'll put another snippet in Yeah, fuck yeah Why should my singing fucking ruin the damn thing? <laughs> um... It's interesting too because I can't actually sing and I openly admit it. I cannot fucking sing. But when I do an impression of someone singing, like in their voice, I sort of, because I'm pretending to sing, but my own natural voice is like garbage. It's so weird. That's not weird. It's just like acting in a sense. Uh, Yeah, that's the song I would listen to probably every day for the rest of my life. It's a downer song. It's a downer fucking song if you read the lyrics, you know. But then, you know, mental health sort of does that where you connect with something and it sort of gives you hope or that, like, you know, that someone actually understands, actually understands because they've penned it, you know. Um, yeah. And the last thing was uh, five words to um, describe your life from this point on, or something like that. Is it five words? Hang on, I'm going to look this up. Describe the rest of your life in five words. That's what it is. Um, I was watching, when I saw that question, it came from um, Daniel Craig. They were interviewing, he was interviewing Daniel Craig, and that's when I realized that one. And honestly, I what the first thought I had, <laughs> I was sold on. Even though it's it's pretty dark, 
because I watched him give this sort of hope, hopeful thing. And I remember Keanu Reeves did something hopeful as well. And everyone sort of has this positive reinforcement shit, you know, where it's like living life to the fullest or only wanting the best for themselves and their families or, you know, being kind to themselves and all that sort of thing. My first thing just shot at me and I said, fuck it. Um, what did I say? I said, um, fuck it. I got here. <laughs> and that's sort of where I'm at. It's like, fuck it. I got here. Yeah. I didn't think I'd leave the basement basically or get up. And, um, the situation I mean, now, I don't know how long I'm going to be. I don't know how long, I don't know how sustainable anything is in my life. I never have. I've never had stability ever. Never been secure in anything, never been secure in a job, uh, never been secure in anything. <laughs> um, everything is always, you know, Hail Marys, basically, and, and charades, and tiptoeing and treading water and tiptoeing the line and all that sort of thing. Um, that's how it's always been. So even now, like I'm sitting here, I don't believe what I have around me is a reality or that it's sustainable. I know it's not sustainable. So I always figure something's going to go before I do. Something is going to go, which will eventually be me. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's the other thing. You know, I think what motivates me to do these podcasts is I've said it again, I've said it before. It's like the only legacy I have that's going to be definite is this. As long as my credit card keeps getting... Actually, now I don't even have to worry about a credit card because I've got Anchor, which is free. So, if this is my... If I blink, if I... Yeah, if I blink and it's gone, and they pull back the curtain and say, well, what the fuck happened? Most of it's been hiding in plain sight. It's not even hiding. You know? Every time, I think there was a, I read something about an indigenous kid get bashed the other day. I don't, I've switched off from mainstream media a lot. So, yeah, if you don't see it, you don't see it. And I just saw something this morning about an indigenous kid. I keep seeing this name pop up about some teenager that got bashed, which is terrible. But so many issues within people, within the community, within whatever, social circles, etc. No one knows or no, no one cares until mass media puts a spotlight on it because they're trying to exploit it for, you know, clickbait, basically. And, you know, whether I get put in an interview room or shot down in the street or just blink out just because of, like, a bad bulb, you know, because of my shitty health priorities and work ethic, (laughs) this has all been here forever. For at least six years, I've been documenting my train of thought and I've got music and stuff from years ago and notes and articles and all types of stuff. I've, I started writing, like I started writing articles in fuck man, 2003, I was at TAFE and I started writing articles and like mock up rants and editorials. And I did that for years. I did that for at least four or five years. You know, no one cares until Something shit happens and then media points a finger at it. So, yeah, if this is the ongoing diary, then let it be said. Who knows?
I don't know how it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had a bunch of stuff I'd written down over time that I was going to mention, but I don't know, probably not appropriate for this one. I mean, this has gone for just about an hour or so, so I still have the rest of the low-hanging fruit episode to edit, and there's a bunch of people that I want to try and get into to do podcasts with. I don't know, my drive to keep finding new people is sort of waning, not because I can't be bothered, but just I've got that much other work on that I really should prioritize that would actually pay me money. Like I've got a bunch of podcasts which I need to edit for other people, which they recorded at the uh, the rail yard, and I haven't just because I've been inundated with shit. So it's sort of stupid for me to be spending an hour doing this and another hour editing it when I should be editing other people. I had a message last night from... A bunch of guys who do uh, use the, uh, the Royal Yard as well to do their own podcast, and um, it's been a while since they came in. And they messaged me last night saying, "Hey, when can we tee up a session? This, this, and that." And I'm, I don't know. I'm already working seven days, so. But these are things that I should be prioritizing. I guess that's why I'm up at fucking six o'clock in the morning doing my own podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really want to say thank you to the people out there that have bought us a coffee, I fucking appreciate it more than you know. Yeah, that's the that's the reward that I get for like years of work honing my media skills and chops and learning how to be an audio engineer and all that sort of shit. The people that have bought me a coffee and keep listening to this fucking rabble, that is honestly the biggest reward monetary monetary reward anyway yeah and i know i harp on about it but the only way we can grow and keep making content is by people sharing it don't be shy (laughs) if i'm (laughs) yeah don't 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 be shy share the fucking thing (laughs) unless you think it's terrible then share it anyway and get more people to tell me that it's terrible, and I'll stop asking people to share. <laughs> you want to talk about validation? I created a TikTok account. I tried ages ago, but it kept booting me out. I don't know why, but for some reason, I did it the other day, and I don't know why. Maybe I used the wrong. Maybe I used a different name or email or something. But I created a TikTok account, which I did specifically as a dumping ground for the podcast stuff. You know, reels, bullshit memes that I make voiceovers, impressions, all that sort of stuff. I thought, you know what? Let's see if I can... I need like, I need to go organic because I can't pay for advertising anymore. So I thought, fuck it. I'll create a TikTok account and see if it actually gets some traction. And, you know, the account's been up for less than 24 hours. And I got... Hang on. Um, I put up, you know, that impression I did of Macho Man in that conversation, like live take... And it got, you know, 533 plays and likes or whatever. There's a clip from Dawn Frazier and um, that Prue McSween. And that's got sitting at a 612 likes or whatever. It's not going to go viral or anything. But it's just like I started becoming, like once I saw that and it's like the um, the endorphins started hitting. You know what I mean? Because it's like validation, validation. And I told myself, like, what am I doing? I fucking hate TikTok. This is just another organic way to create a stream, you know, that may lead back to this podcast. 
but then I can see why people get so fixated on it because, like, you know, the reels just start popping up. You don't even fucking ask for it. It's like you try to back out of the app and they just show you another video. That's how that, like, it's so fucking tricky like that. They fuck with your brain. But I can see why people get validated by it, why they get addicted because you've got these videos of, like, you know, 16-year-old girls doing nothing, essentially talking to camera and doing half a dance, not even a suggestive dance, just bullshit. It's like 10,000 clicks, you know, 5,000 likes. Like, how the fuck, how does that happen? Even if it's just the bots doing their thing, like, does someone that's got nothing, that's massive. It's a massive pat on the shoulder for doing nothing, awarding mediocrity. You know what I mean? And that's where we're at. We're rewarding me- mediocrity. So everyone that's actually bought us a coffee, thank you for rewarding mediocrity. Rewarding mediocrity. <laughs> I've become the thing I hate. <laughs> you know, someone said to me, yeah, what would you, I, your dream job would be? What would make you happy? And I think the closest thing at this point would be voiceovers. You know, and I've tried to figure out why. And I, I've wanted to, like, I've been doing voiceovers since I was a kid. And I always acted, I always began as impressions of things that I saw on TV and movies because it would make people laugh. Uh, Matthew Perry just brought out his book where he talks about, you know, substance abuse, friends, and like the roller coaster of fame and all that sort of stuff. And one thing he said, which is true to me and true to a lot of um, actors and comedians, is that he would be funny because he didn't feel that he would be accepted for being himself. So he'd always be doing a caricature of himself. And, um, yeah, that's essentially the same for me. I always did impressions because, I, you know, no one, I always thought I wasn't going to be accepted for anything else other than trying to make people laugh. Even though I'm not a comedian, I don't claim to be a fucking comedian. And I hate these pretentious wanks that try their hand in stand-up comedy because they think they're funny when they're fucking not. They've got a few rambling impressions and a couple bullshit quips and they've got the nerve to get on a podium and take people's money, you know, that come in to pay for a show. And then I'm a comedian. No, you're not. <laughs> See, the difference is, is I'm doing a podcast from the comfort of my bedroom. I'm not charging anyone any money. I pay for this and chances, and I'll know who listens to this. It'll be 20 people, if that. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a comedian. I'm a fucking joke. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, like, share, follow, subscribe. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. It's been nice doing more voice voiceover gigs this year. I think I've done the most voiceover gigs I've ever done this year, and they've been different. You know, some stuff for TV, some stuff for radio, some stuff for, for like, apps. Um, That's cool. I think it's a way I can be creative still using... It's just because I get a kick out of convincing people that I'm not actually... Like, I'm actually the voice that people hear. I know my broker called me up the other day. And he sent me, he didn't call me up, he sent me a screenshot of Sportsbet. And I'm like, and? <laughs> and he sent back a message saying, you know, he tuned in, he jumped in a Sportsbet to do a, a bet or whatever. And um, yeah, he heard my voice because it was the 
Peter Jackson ad was playing in the top. And I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. That's cool. It's not the only fucking ad I've done this year. I've done two other commercial spots for radio in the last uh, couple months. <laughs> just just making a point. <laughs> I know I talk about it a bit, like it gets mentioned, but it is the most prominent one I would have done in the last six months. It's funny now, like being the unofficial voice of Peter Jackson. Unofficial, official, because I mean, I, I read, I've done their three, last three campaigns and I've done their radio ads now as well. Like their actual generic, you know, the world famous Peter Jackson sale is on now. <laughs> I've done that shit. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's what I like. I like can, um, tricking people into thinking that, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Yeah, even now, like, I listen to beats and stuff that I've made. I'm like, when the fuck did I have the patience or creativity to make, like, an instrumental? And, you know, when I used to try and ram music down people's throats that I'd made, no one ever gave a shit. No one ever listened. But now, if I'm somewhere and one of my beats kicks in, like, you know, just randomly, people don't actually believe that I made the shit just because I'm not vocal about it anymore. I don't do it actively. Like, I surprise myself. I, I hear beats that I made years ago, and I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, that was actually pretty cool. I'm proud of that. But then, you know, I'm not married. I don't have the three kids and the dog, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it is. Unless it, unless there's that fame element or big wealth ne- attached to it, then it's just not, you know, what you're doing is useless. Unless, of course, you've got, you know, 50,000 followers on um, Twitter or TikTok Instagram, such a fucking metric. It's amazing how the pendulum has swung, and that's what's valued. I don't know. Maybe we should just can creativity altogether. That seems to be the way it's going. Anyway, enough rambling. I've clicked the hour mark. I probably should do some actual work that will pay the rent. Maybe some breakfast. That's what I did when I came into the studio. Like, here, this one here. There was like plates on my, there's still plates here. Fuck me. I cleared like three plates when I got in here. Yes, last night's dinner, I'm presuming the night before's dinner, and there's still plates on my desk and a mug. <sighs> oh, fuck. Well, that's disgusting. Anyway, like, share, follow, subscribe. Hopefully I get the rest of the Hello Hanging Fruit episode out in the next couple of days. But this will, um, yeah, this will be it till the weekend, I'm guessing. Actually, I'm working fucking the weekend. Fuck! Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Smoke crack. <laughs> Hold up.